This is the Danger Close Podcast, Beyond the Books, with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Six Hour. My guest today is Ashley Horner. You can find her, ashley.horner on Instagram or ashleyhorner.co for her website. And such an inspirational person. I'm so fired up that she came on the podcast, whether she's running 200 plus miles in Haiti to raise money for an orphanage or biking from Virginia beach to Tulsa, or spending 25 hours on a concept to row or running rim to rim to rim in the grand Canyon. Uh, just an incredible person on all fronts, whether she's doing the fitness stuff or starting a new business like the American brew, which is a whiskey and coffee bar in Virginia beach two of my favorite things and the secret to writing. Just don't mess those up. Be sure to start coffee in the morning, whiskey at night, not the other way around. So enjoy the podcast. Without further ado, Ashley Horner. Ashley, thank you so much for jumping on. I know how busy you are. So I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and hang out for a little bit. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Definitely a pleasure. Huge fan. Oh, well, you, well, me too of you and everything you have going on, which is why I'm so excited about this. Uh, and if you see me pick up my pen, I might take some notes as I ask you about the business side of the house and how you manage all this and everything you have going on. Cause I'm still fairly new to juggling all these different things. So, uh, and you seem to handle it. Um, I mean, just so well. So, um, first off for, uh, for people that, um, uh, that might not know about your background or how you got to where you are, uh, what's a, how, Give us a little background. How did you get to, to this place that you are where you are right now? Yeah. So I just started out as a personal trainer, um, training clients at a big Lobo gym. Um, that's really where my passion uh, for fitness uh, sort of manifested. Uh, from there, I just had this passion and this desire to reach a much bigger and broader audience. And this was before Instagram was even a thing. It, it was before it was even... Um, came into the, to the world. And, uh, I just began putting like little clips of like my fitness training and stuff on Facebook. And my intent was never to have the platform that I have. It just kind of, that, that was never my intention was to have like a big social media platform or what have you. Uh, but I did want to change people's lives. And uh, that's kind of where everything just started happen, it, happening. It was through passion. And um, it's very similar with all the other business and endeavors that I've ever done. It's all kind of just manifested through passion and the desire to uh, kind of, I, I create something in my mind. And then I like to see it kind of unfold in real life. And, um, for the past several years, that is, that is what I have done. And I have a restaurant in Virginia beach, Virginia called American brew. It's a coffee whiskey bar. And if I'm being honest, I selfishly wanted a coffee shop in my neighborhood, relatively speaking. And, uh, I was like, you know, I was like, just a coffee shop in my mind. I'm like, surely like, how can you make money to cover like your basic overhead with just selling like a cup of coffee for three bucks or like some pastries for a couple dollars. I was like, I guess, you know, it'd be super cool if it could be like a coffee whiskey bar. And at the time I didn't know anything about whiskey and I'm still very, very new at learning the just all of the history and everything about whiskey. And I was like, I'm going to have a coffee whiskey bar. And, uh, in the, in the, in the state of Virginia and the Commonwealth, you actually have to have a full restaurant 
to be able to serve hard liquor. And so mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, I got the carriage before the horse and uh, I made the decision to open up a coffee whiskey bar. And then I was like, oh shoot, like I have to have a restaurant. I know absolutely nothing about having a restaurant, let alone a coffee shop. And that's just when like the push and the desire to learn how to have a restaurant and to operate. And so I've been, we just celebrated our, our five-year anniversary. So That's incredible. So all those years I was in Virginia Beach, I never realized, I guess I never noticed that the bars also had restaurants attached to yeah. them in some way, shape or form. Interesting. I yeah. never paid any attention to that. I guess I was focused elsewhere. Um, <laughs> but uh, so when you started to do that, when you started, like got a Facebook account and posted your first photos or video or whatever you were doing, did you see it, it as an opportunity? Like, hey, here's a way to reach more people right away. Because all I saw was being in the SEAL teams, I'm like, ah, security, uh, stay away, you know, which... Now it's different because now if you don't have these social media accounts, now that's the red flag if you're in intelligence circles and the government or in the military or whatever. But uh, but for you, when you saw that, did you say, oh, look, at this is a way to reach more people? Did you see the business opportunity attached to uh, social media and Facebook um, right away as they, as they emerged? Or did that come uh, later on? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I was at a very hard time in my life. I was a single mom at the time. Uh, I wasn't able to pay my rent or like really put food on the table for my kids trying to just be a personal trainer. And like, if you think about the personal training, typically whenever you're training professionals, especially the training is either going to happen really early in the morning with them or it's going to happen after work. And so I, I had a really hard time figuring out how to manage my schedule with really young kids at at the time they were, um, cash was two and trip was four. Um, you know, and I have this memory of pulling them out of bed at like four or 5 AM in the morning, throwing them both over my shoulders, like a sack of potatoes and putting them in the car. And then from the car, taking them to the gym and putting them in the kids club before it was even open. So I could try to change, tra- uh, so I could try to train my clients. And it just wasn't like, it, it, it wasn't, it was something that I was so passionate about. And I knew that there had to be a way that I could reach more people and, and people were wanting that form from me online. And so I had this idea that if I could just take my training that I had been doing, and it was called Becoming Extraordinary, and put it into a 12-week training program, because I was trying so hard uh, to not only train people in person, but everybody was reaching out to me on social media, like wanting to know how I trained. And I was like, if I could just put this all together, kind of like in, um, you know, compile together and just have that available for anybody. And I was like, a hundred dollars is super easy. It was really easy for me to keep track of how many training programs I had to, I needed to sell to be able to pay my electricity or how many that I had to sell to be able to pay, you know, whatever. And, um, and that's what I did. And, and, and Jack, honestly, like I was super scared and intimidated to put that back, to put that out there. You know, you have to be kind of vulnerable. And I'm sure that, you know, when it came to putting out like your books and stuff, um, that that's a huge vulnerability because there's a chance, like, what if, what if people don't like it or what if they scuff at it or think that it's like ridiculous and you just kind of, at that point you have to trust and like, and believe in, in what you're truly passionate about and know that it worked for you and you believed in it. You believe in your story and your message. And so that's kind of how it started. I never thought, I mean, I've sold, so I have like over 20 eBooks now, fitness training books, and I never thought that I would be where I am today. That is incredible. Did, um, as you started down that 
that path. Did uh, how long did it take to like was it was Facebook a funnel to a website where people would then uh, sign up and do that and then get the programs and then get the start get the ebooks and then you start growing that client base uh, virtually? Is that how that started? And then Instagram kicked in and then that's another another platform in which you can also funnel people to a to a website where they can get these things. Is that how it is that how it works? So at the time, I mean, I had no money, right? I just, I had a tiny bit of money that I was, that I was able to use. And, um, I actually, I didn't have a website or anything, which is crazy because people would be asking me for these training programs and they had to like manually just pay a random stranger pay through PayPal, like a hundred dollars. And they had to entrust in me that I was going to mail them their program. And, um, I used that money through an extended period of time. I used that money to, um, to put back into my website. So I ended up building a website. I found somebody who could build me a website. Um, and that was like the first step, but, uh, yeah, I, um, I was in my mid twenties and I sold so many programs. I ended up making them over a million dollars before I was 30. Whoa. But I, but I, but I, you know, I tell people, like, I, I don't have a million dollars. I've used that money and I have invested it into other things yeah, outside yeah. of the fitness realm. And that was just, I didn't know that I was like an entrepreneur then, but that was really like the basis of, of being, um, just like the, the bare bones of an entrepreneur of like take, learn, figuring out how to make some money, but then you have to take that money and you have to invest it into something that will make your business grow. Oh, that's exactly, I, I started to realize that as I started down this path as well, because I thought, writing was just, you went to a cabin, you wrote this novel, you sent it to New York, and then you start the next one. I had no idea that there was this business attached to it as well with all the marketing and the advertising and the social media and the engagement and the budgets. And like my wife and I were just on a phone call with uh, some financial group a little while, like, I don't know, 20 minutes ago. And my eyes were just glossing over with S corps and LLCs and what to do and pay out things and this. And I'm like, I, I just need to go write a book. You know, I, yeah. I, I got to jump on a podcast, got to write a book, got to do all these other things. Like, and it's, it's just, uh, it's, that's not my, not my forte. Um, but for you to be able to create that and build that is just, it's amazing. I absolutely love it that you took that risk, uh, and did that. And especially today, cause let's say 30 years ago, if someone had done something like this and they, uh, self-published a book or they published a book and it went on a shelf somewhere, uh, and then no one bought it or if people got it and they didn't like it, there's no way for them to tell you or to tell the rest of right. the world how much they dislike you or your message or whatever you're doing or how you're wrong. Well, now there are no barriers in place. So when you take that risk today, I mean, you're really doing that. Like you're putting that painting up there, like you talked about, yeah. and you're unveiling it for the first time in front of a gigantic crowd, which is the rest of the world now on social media. And everybody can let you know directly uh, how much they dislike your painting. You know, so it's a crazy thing to uh, to have to contend with today, but it's also an opportunity. So for those willing to take the risk uh, yeah. and to believe in themselves and believe in their, their whatever it is, their business, their art, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, you're definitely taking a risk um, and you took a risk before too, but now it's just so much easier for people to sling those arrows. Um, how do you, yeah. how do you well, deal with that side of it? I, well, I think it's different for you because I, I, I'm pretty sure like, you know, being an author and a writer and now, you know, you're getting ready to come out with a movie or the process of like, you know, getting, getting your movie out. Um, I feel like you just, you're just going to keep getting wiser and better with your, with your writing for me being, you know, bef before I really got into the fitness, uh, training and aspect of that, I was, I was a fitness model. And so it made sense. I'm like, okay, well, like for me, it's different because with, with age, I'm probably not going to get better, but I can get smarter. So unlike you, I feel like you're, you know, being a writer and author, you're just like always becoming wiser and like better at, at writing. But, uh, for me, that's why, 
I wanted to kind of like invest in things outside of like the fitness realm because, uh, you know, whether, whether you like it or not, like, especially being in the, in the fitness industry and being a model, like you have an expiration. And so I just wanted to be smart with that. Um, but in terms of the, um, the negative, like naysayers, um, you, you, you can't allow other people to basically tell your story for you. I think that it's really important that, um, as, as we are both authors, right? I'm an author in my own way of telling my story of, of being, you know, a mother, being in the fitness industry, being, um, an entrepreneur, like I'm constantly telling my story. And, uh, what I have found and learned a long time ago is that all of the negative naysayers and people who don't think that you should be doing what it is that you're doing, it's not their story to tell. And, they don't understand why you are embarking on this journey. And it's, it's not up to them to make those decisions because this is your journey and it is, it is what you are doing. And I think that's really important. A lot of people kind of, they want to become, um, authors or they want to become, um, entrepreneurs or, you know, what have you. And they're so worried about what people are thinking about them that they allow that to take control of their story and the story that they're telling. And it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Like it could be your mom. Like it, n nobody has to agree with what you're doing. If you truly feel passionate about what it is and the journey that you want to embark on, it, it has to be a story that you're telling and you have to be willing to go about that alone. And um, the journey that I have been on, and I know that many other people probably listening who are also, you know, going down this journey of entrepreneurship or trying to achieve a goal that they've, they've wanted to uh, do for so long that um, you have to be okay with doing it alone because it can be a very, very lonely journey at times. And you have to be okay with uh, distancing people in your life who were possibly, um, you know, maybe close friends of yours and you just had to create that distance from them because allowing them into your life was going to ultimately dictate how far you got in your journey or, or which way you went left or right whenever you wanted to go right. Maybe they were trying to talk you into going left. And so it's really important that you just stay true to who you are. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, the negative part is, is crazy. And that like, we have a rule. It's like, Hey, any negative people gone immediately. Yeah. Like there's not even a, it's not even a question. Um, and it's, uh, which makes it, makes it kind of easier <laughs> because you already made the decision ahead of time. If someone's bringing any sort of, uh, you know, toxic influence into your life or around kids or whatever else it might be, uh, it's easy, gone, done. Uh, and I think you have to, I think it was Lance Armstrong, I think said that in an interview a long time ago, I think it was him anyway like years ago, 10 years, 15 years ago, something like that. I heard him say that. And I remember at the time I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of harsh. And then, you know, now I get it, especially with kids. I think it might've even been before we had kids in the picture. Um, but then with kids, especially when you have this, this family unit that you need to be protective of, obviously, um, that, uh, that, that makes, I totally get it now. It's just, uh, yeah. Anybody bringing that, that toxic culture, uh, into, into your protective circle, gone. I mean, I mean it's right. just, and there, there's so be. much of it. There's so much of it now out there. I mean, not only are you, you know, can you be, you know, susceptible to it, in like a social media, like, uh, you know, in, in the media world, but also you have to be careful about who you physically allow into your life because, you know, and, and over the years and just doing this for so long, I mean, I, I can definitely, um, testify that my, 
my skin and like I've, I've gotten a lot stronger. So like the, the negative people or just like the, you know, the comments or what have you, it's easy for me to just like, it doesn't affect me anymore, but definitely in the beginning, I mean, there was a lot of tears because I just, I really wanted to, um, I, I, I was super passionate about like the fitness and just wanting to teach others. And I um, mean, same thing for the restaurant. I mean, there were times that I would just like sit down and I just cried because I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing right now. Um, but I, you know, I knew that I was going to figure it out and I wasn't going to allow anybody else to, to kind of step in and allow me to think any differently. Yeah, no, I love that. I think a lot of people don't even take that first step just because they're worried about that. And especially now, uh, today, yeah. when when you're if you stumble, that it's going to be public because you have to have these different platforms out there to let people know that you exist. Whether you're a right. restaurant or an artist or a fitness trainer, whatever you whatever you are, uh, people have to know that you exist uh, and that mm -hmm. your product is there and that it's a good product and you have to tell that story. But it's also so much. I mean, it, it, I can see it being intimidating for people that are worried about that and. You know, for me, people think seals, you know, oh, you're so tough all the time, you know, you must be, you know, impervious to, to negative comments. And that's, you know, that's not true. You know, I see a bad review on Amazon or someone that's, you know, going after you for a political reason or whatever else, or maybe they just don't like your, your, your art, you know, which is subjective. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but so for me, I usually read those comments usually like right before bed. I see that when I want to say something oh. back and I'm like, duh dang it. And I don't do it because I don't want to go down you know, right. the rabbit hole. And, uh, yeah. and some of those, that's kind of what the podcast is a little bit about, is about uh, being able to respond to some questions that people ask that require a little more nuance, a little more thought that don't lend themselves to a one sentence or two sentence answer on a social media platform that someone can just interpret the way that they want to, to get all outraged and then start writing something back that's going to annoy you further. Um, so yeah. kind of the podcast is a way to explore some of those things in this, uh, in a medium where we can have a, a conversation about things in a little more of a thoughtful type of venue. But um, so as you're, as you're moving forward then along this path, I mean, you've got to be learning all these, these lessons, um, business type lessons as you figure out how to grow. What is a, uh, it's a definitely an entrepreneurial type venture, um, mm. both on the fitness side of the house and then on the restaurant side of the house. I mean, I love everything that you have going on. It's so inspirational because you seem to be able to juggle so much and like the best in the world at whatever they do, make it look effortless. You know, and, uh, and I'm talking about the business side of the house. Obviously, you can see the effort you're doing when you're working out. When I see those videos, I'm like, oh, my gosh, look what she's doing today. It's crazy. Um, it's awesome. But, uh, but on the business side, like you make it seem so effortless and the best always do that. You know, you never let them see you, you know, sweat. You, all, you, you make it look like it's easy, but it's obviously right. not. Um, so how do you juggle all this stuff? How do you handle all the things that you have going on? It's incredible. Uh, like I like to use the analogy of, you know, when you see a duck just kind of gliding across the pond or the lake, but like underneath the water, they're like going really fast and they're <laughs> trying to keep, I, 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 I feel like a lot of times like that, I mean, that is, uh, that's me and that's probably a lot of entrepreneurs. And, um, I think time management is huge and that is something that I have learned to get better at over the years. Um, they're there, you know, being able to do and like being your own boss, it's like, okay, you're not just working nine to five or you're not just working, uh, eight to four anymore. You're literally working like 18 hours a day. Sometimes oh, yeah. it, there is so much grind. You don't ever get a day off. You have the privilege to be able to kind of create and, and make your own schedule. But at the end of the day, like whenever there's work to be done, you have to do that work. Like nobody else is going to do that work for you. And, um, I think that 
For me, um, I have learned to try to like let go of a lot of things that because I I just love I love to work. I love um, I'm definitely like a, a workhorse, and I have learned, especially being a mom and doing all of the things that I have learned how to switch it off a little bit better uh, over the years. And um, it's organization. It's organization and. Uh, the times that you are working, you have you have to execute and you have to be in the mindset to get the work done. Um, and you can't be afraid. You can't be afraid of uh, you can't be afraid of what tomorrow holds, or um, you can't be afraid of the challenges that are going to arise. Um, you just have to be willing to take it head on. And again, just knowing that nobody else is going to do the work for you, like it has to be you at the end of the day. Oh yeah. I mean, it's all about doing the work no matter, no matter what, like if people yeah. ask me about writing all the time or right, getting published and that sort of thing, and it's all about doing that work. You have to do the work. If you don't, then it's definitely not going to happen. I mean, even if you do the work, it might not, but for sure it's not happening if you don't do that work. And, yep. uh, the time management piece is something same way is, uh, I need to get a lot better at it. I'm trying to get better at it because uh, there's so many things out there that keep me from writing. Uh, yeah. And that's the main thing. That's the product. Um, right. And so that has to be the best it can possibly be. But juggling yeah. all those other things. So I, last two weeks, I made a list of all the things that I'm doing that someone else could do uh, that yes. keep me from yeah. writing. And I thought mm -hmm. it was going to be like six, seven, eight different items, but it's been, I think it's about a week and a half now that I've been keeping this list. And, uh, and every time, like no matter what it is, if I find it, I don't wait and I'll write that down later. I run right into the office. I type it in to keep that list going. And it's like a page and a half worth yeah. of things that someone else yeah. could be doing that is keeping me from doing the writing side of it. So I need to get a little more organized on that. This is the year to get organized. 2021 yeah. is the year to get Good. a little more organized because it's been I, chaos to this I point. I think too, um, it's really important that you develop a good team. I think the team that you have around you and, you know, sometimes it, it takes a while to truly be able to build the team and the culture that you need for you because you, you're the brand, you know, Jack Carr and, and James Reese and everything that you're doing, even like beyond the writing, like you are the brand. And you have to, uh, it takes a lot of time. And I think that sometimes we have the misconception that it's easy to just uh, bring somebody on or create a position or hire somebody. And they're going to be like the perfect fit, like right off the bat. And sometimes it takes us having that position or that person in our life doing whatever job it is that they're doing to find out like, is this is this the position that I truly need filled or is it something else that um, can be capitalized on to help spread my message and to help me be able to do my job better ultimately? Because at the end of the day, you're the writer. You have to have time to write. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. No, it's crazy. So right now it's been like me and my wife and like the merch side of the house. We just got the merchandise out of the house. It's down now at an out, uh, at an offsite location fulfillment nice. center because we were going crazy. Like we couldn't meet demand. And then at Christmas it got just, I mean, boxes all over our house. We barely got actual presents for the kids wrap because we're stuffing envelopes, we're stuffing boxes, we're getting hats and t-shirts and bottle breachers and direct action bookmarks and all these things out there. And it was chaos. And she's like, all right, yeah. this is a little much. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, so we spent the last few months trying to figure out fulfillment center stuff and all that. So that's happening. So that's going to take that. That'll be, that'll be great that to get that up awesome. and running in the next few, few weeks here. Um, but same thing. Yeah. Like I need a, someone that can take these, just these calls that someone else can go through and a, a business manager type person that can take all the calls and do that, that, that sort of thing that I'm not good at anyway. And I don't like to do that sort of thing anyway. Mm -hmm. And then uh, an executive assistant type chief of staff person that can 
to kind of organize the day and you know come in and say, okay, here's the books that need to go out. This one's to this foundation. This is this organization. This is this person. And I'm just and then they take it off rather than me organizing it, trying to keep track of it. How did we send it to this person? No, did I forget? You know, it's just chaos. But uh, yeah. but it's fun. It's fun too. Yeah. It's fun to solve these problems. Just like, you know, not uh, like on the battlefield. It's about aggressively solving problems and capitalizing on momentum and recognizing gaps in the enemy's defenses and adapting faster than the enemy. And it's kind of similar on the business side of the house. And then also on the written page when I'm solving these problems that uh, on the on the written page, you know, very similar. You're just aggressively solving problems, just like uh, just like in life. But, um, yeah, I, I find that I thrive pretty well in chaos. Um, it's not that I'm like ever looking for things to be chaotic or I'm not wanting things to be chaotic because I also operate when things are very calm. Like that's whenever I can really create. But um, the fighter in me, and I don't know if like this really makes sense, but it's like the fighter in me whenever like shit hits the fan or things are chaotic or what have you, that's when I perform my best. That's whenever I'm able to have a clear picture of a direction of exactly what needs to happen to either continue on operations or, you know, if there's a problem that something needs to be fixed or we're having issues. Um, I thrive really well in the chaos, which I, I think it's a good thing and a bad thing because like you don't want things to be broke and you don't want things to be chaotic, especially in like a restaurant or like a business that you have and you have all these eyes on you all the time. Uh, but I do find that I thrive really well in situations like that. That's good. So, no, that's good. I mean, you embrace it. You know, you have to because otherwise it just happens, you know, yeah. and then there's no, you can't fix it and it, things get worse. You got to embrace that chaos and and it's great that you love it, love it and thrive, thrive in it and continue to build in that chaos and find that opportunity in that chaos. Just like, uh, just like on the battlefield. So that's fantastic. And so American brew. So along the way you decide you want a coffee shop and then you want a whiskey bar and then you find out that you have to have a restaurant attached. Um, so how, what was that? How long was that process from like, Hey, we have a building. Okay. Do I need to know, did you already know about coffee? And then you wanted to learn about the whiskey or how did that all come about? <laughs> I knew absolutely nothing. In fact, about coffee I, too. You just yeah, know that you nothing. needed it. <laughs> I just, I like selfishly wanted a place that I, uh, I could go and work and to have a coffee shop in the area. And um, I wasn't. I think that's something that's like, I wasn't ever afraid of failing. I wasn't ever afraid of. And I made a lot of mistakes before I purchased this building. About three, four years ago, I was right down the street um, renting a building and I made the mistake of um, renting a building that I, I didn't own it. And before I knew and understood like the codes or what it took to uh, be able to house and furnish, um, you know, 240 volts and things that were needed for like an espresso machine and like a side kitchen that I had to have. I was already locked into a contract for, I believe it was like one or two years. And, um, if I would have stayed, this is the, this is the crazy thing. If I would have stayed in that spot where American brew originated from, I would have bled out. I would have, I would have died. I would have suffocated. I'm pretty sure the, my financial advisors that I had at the time, they probably would have came out here and been like, Ashley, you got to pull the plug. But I took a risk whenever I purchased this building that we're in now uh, about three years ago. And it was, it was already a prior restaurant. And I had this envision in my mind that like we could create something much bigger than what I even 
originally thought American Brew could be. And I had that vision and that thought in my mind. And I I just took a risk and I, I went for it. And sometimes in order to grow a company, in order to grow a, a brand, you have to be willing to take those risks to where it's like that, oh shit moment. It was like, oh shit, I just purchased a building. And um, that was... That was probably, that was super, that was really, really scary because I didn't know anything about even running a bigger restaurant at the time. And um, I had to take that risk and I, I couldn't be afraid of that. And I mean, and that's what I did and it's paid off tenfold. The, uh, and I like to, I like to say like this, like if, if, if you're operating under a budget of like, like, let's say, Jack, I gave you a hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, okay, you can start a business right now with a hundred thousand dollars. And you know, for a lot of like young entrepreneurs, it's gonna be like, oh wow, like yeah, I can do this and I can do that, and like this is great. But if but then if I came back to you and if I said, okay, I'm gonna give you two million dollars to create a business, it's like your your idea and your cap of what you can imagine and what you can dream, it just goes through the roof. And that's what I like to say and to explain to to people whenever you're wanting to design and to create. Think of like your creation and your design, like having no cap. Like if if money wasn't a thing and like, and you're, whenever you get to that moment, your ideas can just kind of flourish. Your, your ideas are not capped by um, a monetary, like, I yeah. guess, idea. And um, so whenever you can start dreaming and creating like that, because as long as you're passionate about something, I truly believe that the, the money will end up coming. Um, but success for me was just doing what it is that I truly love. That was that was successful to me, being successful. And uh, it just has to be like this slow process, and then you know, like not being afraid to take chances. Yeah, no, I love that. I love so. And same thing with writing. In that, I love that I that uh, I never thought about the money side of it. I just always assumed that that it would pay off because growing up. I wanted to be a SEAL and I wanted to write. And of course, the people that I'm reading back then in the 80s and 90s, they're all uber successful because where are they? They're on the New York Times list. Where it's happening, their books are being made into films. And so I'm reading all these guys, Tom Clancy and Nelson DeMille and David Morrell and AJ Quinnell and JC Pollock and Mark Olden and uh, Louis L'Amour, all these guys who had protagonists that that uh, with backgrounds I wanted in real life one day. And I'm reading all these guys. So it's just in my head at that age, at age eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, all the way up, like that's how it's going to go. Like you're going to write right. after you get out of the military and it's going to get uh, optioned by an A-list star and it's going to be a movie. Or, and I was just in my head. So that part, I wasn't worried about it not working out. I was never, I wasted no bandwidth worried. I was just like, okay, yeah. people tell me that the odds are slim. Okay, boom. And then I was just writing and I just love yeah. the writing. I love the craft. I have that, That's the passion. Um, yeah. And now, you know, it, it's just, I don't know, it's crazy how it's working out the way I thought, but I never thought it wouldn't. I, that never yeah. even entered my mind. I don't know if that's a good thing or a, or a bad thing, but it, what it allowed me to do is focus all my efforts on the product, all my efforts mm -hmm. into that writing, uh, making right. the books the best they could possibly be. So very similar in, in your case, you know, you got it all in. I mean, you're, yeah, you're all in that. on all the things that you do, it seems. Yeah. And, uh, and American Brew, it's at American Brew on Instagram, right? Yeah, at the American Brew. At the American Brew. Yes, yeah, yep. so I love those yep. photos. I love the photos in there. And uh, especially when I first discovered it and seeing all, I was like, where is this thing? What is this coffee uh, and whiskey? I'm like, what's going on? What is she doing now? Like, this is so cool. Because uh, I wouldn't have thought coffee and whiskey. Is that is that something that's out there? Because I've never really seen those two combined the way that you have done it. I don't know if it exists elsewhere. I'm just not aware. But, um, but uh, how did you get that idea to combine those two things together. I mean, they go great together because people yeah. also, they ask me about like, what's your secret to writing? And I'm always like, coffee in the morning, 
whiskey at night. Just <laughs> don't flip them around. Like once right, you flip them right. around, then there's an issue. Yeah, but otherwise, yeah. that's that's the that's the secret. Um, I was out in Denver at a summit and there was a coffee whiskey bar out there and I cannot remember the name of it. And I went and visited this bar and there were some good friends of mine. And uh, oh, it's driving me crazy that I can't remember the name. But uh, it that's kind of like how the idea kind of came to play and manifested was uh, I saw the coffee whiskey bar. And at the time, I also have a foundation called the Unbroken Foundation. And uh, the foundation helps with uh, it's it, it helps with like women and children of domestic violence. And um, whenever I decided to open up American Brew, I also wanted it to be a place that could employ victims of domestic violence. And um, the two things happened on that trip, I made the decision that I wanted to have my own nonprofit and uh, uh, called um, the Unbroken Foundation that helped with uh, women and children of domestic violence. And then I also wanted to have American Brew, a coffee whiskey bar that could also be a place where uh, women who were trying to get back up on their feet could have a place to work. Um, and so both of those both of those ideas kind of came to at, at the same time. So I came back to Virginia Beach. I was super, super excited, signed a lease on a place, uh, created the foundations of, um, of the Unbroken Foundation, and I just hit the ground running. That is so wild. So people come in, I'm guessing, in the morning and to the afternoon for coffee, and then later it turns into the whiskey bar? Or, I mean, how does it— I mean, no, like, you can have whiskey—you can have coffee whiskey anytime. We serve so whiskey from the, yeah, <laughs> from the moment we open, and we have a lot of great cocktails and, uh, like, coffee whiskey cocktails and just, like, original cocktails that— um, that we have here. Yeah. That people can just come in and get. That's wild. And then when you found out you had to have a restaurant attached, were you like, okay, um, what do I, what kind of food do I need to serve here in this coffee whiskey bar? Like what do you, how did you shift then? What did you, how did you pivot? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely like an, oh shit moment. Uh, cause I didn't, you know, I'm not even a great cook myself. I could, I could definitely turn and burn in our kitchen here in American brew, but, um, I wanted something simple and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we're a big military hub here. Uh, so that's when I had the, made the decision to have like burritos. We have sandwiches, we have like power bowls and it's not, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty healthy individual for myself personally. Uh, but I wanted the food to be healthy, but I also wanted it to taste really well. So everything that we have here is just fresh. Um, uh, and, we do all of our pastries and everything like in-house and um, nothing's fried here. So it's like a good balance of like healthy, but it's also, uh, it's also really tasty as well. Oh, so that's so. amazing. I can't wait to get, I haven't been back to Virginia beach since we left, I think in 2006, I think we went for, for a couple like meetings and stuff after that, but haven't really been, been back yeah, since. Need, so I want to come out. Yeah. yeah and you try need it to. out. You need to, for sure. Looks like a great place to Definitely. write. I can have the whiskey and the coffee. Those two things yeah. that I give away as my secret to writing in, the, in yes. one spot. So that, I love it. Uh, and then along the way, also you did, you've done like some crazy cool adventures, like running across Haiti, rim to rim, Grand Canyon, doing what, 25 hours on a concept to rower, cycling yeah. to the, what did you go to, Tulsa or something like that? Yeah, like, I went from Virginia <laughs> Beach to Oklahoma, yeah. Like how do yeah, these things, crazy. how do these things all, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, well, where do the ideas come from or how do you, yeah. how do you choose which ones you're going to do? And then, mm -hmm. uh, and then what, what are they, are they to raise awareness for different causes or how does that all, all work? Yeah. So, uh, kind of going back whenever, you know, I was just on this journey of trying to define and figure out what it meant to be successful 
for me. And, you know, at the time it was like, you know, and I was a single mom and I was really struggling. And, um, I really thought that if I could just be a fitness model and, and kind of capitalize in that area, that that would be successful. And it was like, I, I got there, I became like a bona fide fitness model. And, um, it wasn't, it didn't really like feel like what I thought success would feel like. I mean, it was cool, but it didn't, I, I just felt like it should change me. And, uh, so then after that, you know, I kind of like chased after the sponsorships or the endorsements, I got endorsements and sponsored. And, um, I thought that would really define success for me and it, and it didn't. Uh, and so that's when, you know, the financial success started happening. And I, again, like I, it was almost like I kept chasing after these things that I, thought would define success for me. And every time I would reach that, um, I just, it didn't change. I didn't feel any different. It didn't change me. Uh, but the moment I began to use my platform to give back to others and the moment that I was able to be a voice for those who needed help, that is when I truly felt successful. That's what really filled my heart. And uh, so ever since, I think the first thing that I did, I don't even remember what the rim to rim to rim for the Grand Canyon was, but it was for, it was for some charity event, um, if I can recall. And, uh, but doing those things and being able to use my God-given athletic ability um, to be able to give back and to be able to use my platform for uh, something bigger and something greater than myself, that is, that is truly what made me feel successful. And so, yeah, I've done some pretty crazy things. I did the, uh, the perimeter of Haiti and that was for an orphanage that I've supported for a long time. Mason Fortunate orphanage out in Hinch, Haiti. It's central Haiti. Uh, I rode my bike from Virginia beach to Tulsa, Oklahoma for St. Jude, which was wild. It took me about 12, 12 to 14 days. I rode over a hundred miles every day in the middle of June. It was like super hot. Uh, and then I, uh, yeah, I've done a lot of crazy things. Then I, uh, rode on the concept two rower for 25 hours. This was my second year doing that. And that, that was, uh, yeah, that was like the last, I just finished that about a month and a half ago, a month ago. So that was pretty normal. I did that for spikes canine. Uh, they, they help, uh, supply ballistic vests for working canines. And the, the number 25 came from the 25,000. It's either 25,000 or 2,500 working. I think it's probably 25,000 working canines in the U.S. And that's Got where it. the number 25 came from. I was yeah. wondering so about that because I, I saw that. Yeah. I was like, 20, why not 24 hours? I mean, she right. has to go above and beyond. She has to do yeah. 25, you know, yeah. but I was like, why not 24 hours in one minute? Like, but it, no, I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a, and of all those things that, that you've done, I mean, I, I think I saw that, uh, that you focus quite a bit on, on Haiti when you did, when you did that, I saw a lot, um, uh, I think what, and the videos were out there. I mean, it was so cool. But I was like, wait, what? How did, what's this connection to Haiti? And what's she, what's she doing down there? And it's amazing. Um, yeah, I was in Haiti in 04 when Aristide okay. got deposed. So I went in went to Haiti with uh, Charlie Third of the Seventh as a CLE liaison there. But um, but you did the whole thing. So the whole thing you you did just is that the how? just the western the western perimeter. Because it's so cut in half anyway. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I start I started in Port-au-Prince and I just ran the western border all the way up to Cape Haitian and then straight down back into Central Haiti where uh like where uh where the orphanage is in Hinch. Yeah, that was pretty gnarly. 
How, how did you get involved in, in that one? Like, it seems like, a, you know, the other ones I can kind of connect the dots, but how did that, how did the Haiti one come about? Yeah. So it's a really bizarre story. I just like, I've, it, this was kind of when I was like really trying to tap in of like, how could I give back more? And I just, I kept asking, like, I just wanted to, I just wanted to give more. I wanted to give more of myself. I wanted to be able to give more financially. And uh, it was like the next week I just got a I just met this girl at my restaurant, American Brew, and she happened to be uh, the social media director and photographer for this orphanage over in Haiti. And I was like, that's weird. And so two weeks after that, I flew out there with her and I got to meet all the kids. I met the director and um, uh, all of the teachers. And I just, I fell in love. I fell in love with Haiti. I fell in love with the people and the culture. And I learned a lot about the culture being out there. And, um, I can even speak a little Creole. It's been, it's actually, it's been almost two years, a year and a half since I've been back just with everything going on with the pandemic. And there's some unrest over there in Haiti right now. But at the time I was going, I was traveling over there like every three to four months and spending about a week with the kids. And I would take my boys over there and we had spent our summer vacation over there. And, uh, that's just where, like, I don't know, like, it, it was just kind of bizarre how sometimes things just happen in your life that um, it was just, it was meant to be. And so I still support those kids. The last thing that I did was the 40-hour run that was actually supposed to be over in Haiti. But because of the pandemic, I wasn't able to go over to Haiti to do the 40-hour run. So I did it here locally in Virginia Beach. And that was crazy because I was like hallucinating. <laughs> and like, I mean, that was, that was wild. That was a different type of just like, it was crazy. So. Oh, I love all that. And it's, uh, yeah, it's so inspiring to so many people. Um, and then the tactical games, how did that come about? I saw, first I saw you like training. I'm like, okay, what's she doing now? She's on the range. I'm like, okay, yeah. what's she doing that for? Is it just fun? Like, like just the skills. And then I'm like, oh, and then I saw the tactical games. I'm like, oh, cool. She's training up for this thing maybe. Yeah. And also getting the skills. But uh, what was that all about? And, and uh, those photos were awesome. And that looked like a Thank crazy you. experience. Thanks. I have my next competition coming up in like three weeks. It's going to be in North Carolina. Uh, but it's like, I'm always looking for something to constantly push myself to like the state of being uncomfortable and going out and competing for the tactical games and the training for that. I was definitely intimidated by just, I mean, the manipulation of all your firearms, like knowing your weapon system. And I grew up in the middle of Oklahoma in the country. And I remember like my brother and my dad going out and hunting, but I never really, uh, even though I was, a, I was a tomboy growing up, I never really was into shotguns or hunting or um, even pistols or firearms. And so I, I was really uncomfortable, um, even maybe a little bit intimidated by um, ARs and just the whole like pistols and all of that. And so I was like, you know what? I, I don't need to be intimidated by this. Like I want to become really, really, really fucking good. Yeah. And so, and then that's whenever I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sign up for the tactical games. I picked a competition. I picked a competition actually before I even did my 40 hour run. I knew that as soon as I was done, uh, with the 40 hour run that I was going to jump right over and start training for the tactile games. Um, because for me, I think that like, and, and I don't know, am I, you might, um, have similar feelings whenever we work so hard on something and like we put everything into it, maybe it's writing a book and then you get it published. Like for me, it was like, if, if I have a goal and whether it doesn't matter if it's business or it's fitness, but it's like the moment that I finish that it's like, I, 
if I don't have something else planned or another goal or another challenge on the horizon, I have like this feeling of being a little bit let down, almost like a depressed type feeling because I have nothing to work towards. And so whenever I was doing the 40 hour run, I think it was a couple weeks before the 40 hour run, I was like, I'm gonna sign up for the tactile games. This looks super gnarly. And uh, I went out and I I competed. Um, my first games was like, uh, Probably it was a week after after it was a week after the 25 hour row. And dude, I got my ass kicked. I got I, my ass kicked. I, I doubt I, that, but I did. I did. I well, I landed a place. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to nationals. I landed a spot in nationals, but man, it's they make it look so easy and just you know, you're having to lift these hundred pound sandbags over a yoke and climb over there, but you also have your kit on, you have your gear, you also have uh, your gun belt, you have to have all your magazines, your rifle has to be, I mean, it's like, you talk about stressing you out and then having to shoot and like shoot accurate. They've done a really, really good job at the community and the tactile games and the women. I mean, you talk about like real life badasses. They are like legit badasses. So um, I'm going to keep training for that. I'm going to go on to nationals this fall. Um, and then I have another competition coming up in about three weeks. That is wild. I saw you training the other day, taking that sandbag ball weight thing putting it over that thing in your you know on the beach in your backyard and jumping yeah. over i'm like okay I, I because my wife keeps saying you have to actually send you those that program because like i'm always talking about i gotta get yeah. out there i gotta get back in shape like i'm just writing all the time and juggling all this stuff i need to get better with this time management and she's like you know you just got to get on that program i'm like i yeah. will uh but that one in particular i was like yes that's great because it's you know yeah. for me it's like looks fun it's functional you got a number right. attached to it you know i can like move yeah. a little rock i have 10 little rocks there for the 10 over you know that and just move one aside so i don't have to keep track of the numbers in my head and uh <laughs> it just yeah that looked like a like a cool one but uh so is, is that the uh kind of begs the question what's next for you, you know, always having something to, mm -hmm. to, to train for that, that next thing that, uh, that you want to go out and crush. Um, is it doing some tactical games for a while or is there something else that, uh, that's in the back of your head that you're thinking about doing in the future or like a, a journey, a voyage, uh, you know, something what's, uh, what's, uh, what's on the horizon? Man, I don't know. I mean, I'm totally open to like anything that seems challenging to just throw up my way. Um, I do find that once I do something, I, I seem to get like a little bored pretty pretty easily. So that's why I've done so many different things. I've done the cycling, the swimming. Um, I've done the Olympic lifting, the powerlifting. Yeah, I was a pro fitness competitor at one time. Uh, I just love everything. I've even done rolling and BJJ and um, I, I don't know, like I would be totally down and open to learning new things. But right now, just like the, the weapon system and learning about firearms, uh, I, it's, it's challenging to me and I love, love learning. It doesn't matter if it's business. It doesn't matter if it has to do with fitness or, or learning a trade or a craft. I love to learn. And um, I would really like to get into uh, learning more about ballistics and just uh, long range shooting. I think that that's really, really interesting and just how like the wind can manipulate like the, you know, the bullet and knowing that you have to aim, you know, higher to be able to hit it on target. So all of that is really interesting to me because it's like, I don't like, I can kind of grasp it, to, grasp it, but I don't fully understand why or like why you would do it this way or why or what, mm. you know? And so um, I'm intrigued by that, by like the long range shooting. And the tactile games does have some sniper stuff. And okay. so um, I would like to maybe get into that 
and just know and to learn about that. So oh, I'm also awesome. really into like training canines right now. My uh, younger canine that I have, Raven, uh, we are learning how to do uh, scent work, like tracking, like human tracking. And so I've been training uh, with a group out here in Virginia Beach this week. And we've been, I've been learning the foundations of teaching her and like her and I together how to track humans. And so that's been no pretty way. cool. So again, it's like, I know a lot about training canines, but I don't know how to do like human tracking. And so that's what we've been learning together. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, we have our, our, our dog, um, Scout. So she is trained, we have a special needs middle child and uh, she's trained just to track him. If somehow he got, yeah. you know, got, I don't know how he would, but if he ever did like wander off or something, she's been trained just to track him. And uh, yeah, John yeah. Devine at Divine Canines, former SEAL buddy of mine, trained her up and it's really oh, yeah. cool to see her. It her is work. incredible. It's incredible, it's oh, incredible what, the dogs can do and just that's what this week has been all about about just like their you know navel cavity and like just being able to like the scent work that they're just able to do and stuff so it's it's pretty remarkable i think that we're really just at um you know we don't give the dogs enough credit for what they're able to do and so oh. it's it's been a cool i'm always learning so yeah no it's a whole part of it we're, we're you know learning organizations are typically more successful than those that aren't uh they get left uh left in the in the dust um and then as individuals we have to always continue to, to learn and move forward that's why i love the business side of this because i'm all learning yeah. i'm always yeah. i'm always learning i love the research especially in this last book oh, i didn't know anything about bioterrorism so I had to really go down the rabbit hole on that i'm always i always love love learning um but by the time this comes out so uh, the SIG will have announced the uh, the SIG Hunter Games, which are, are coming up here for the first time this summer. And I'm going to go do that. And so it's a, it's a long range precision course. And it's kind of the first time they're doing it. They're bringing in a bunch of people. And um, that should be pretty, pretty fun. So maybe that we'll put that on your calendar for uh, for next year if they do another one. What is it? What is it? The Sig Hunter Sig course, Hunter or? Games. Yeah. Huh. So they're bringing a bunch of people in, and uh, nice. they have a course set up somewhere in the mountains here in Wyoming, and uh, just down the road from me. And I think you walk kind of like a this this course and set up in these different positions at different distances, and and it's uh, I think it's a competition. So That's um, cool. once again. I was just talking to my wife about it this morning. So I need to get back in shape. I need to do some of those over the bar things that you were doing yeah. the other day. Get to, yeah. <laughs> I have a few weeks before this thing kicks off. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, also thinking about moving forward, like you have, so is, is it ashleyhorner.com? Is that where people can go to find out, find the, the, the fitness uh, programs and all that sort of thing? It's .co, .co. ashleyhorner.co. .co. .co. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So there's all those books. So there's are there still they're still available out there. Those books yeah. that you that's mm -hmm. incredible. That's so have lot. you have you ever thought of doing one that talks about your journey, like a book that talks about the business side of this, or uh, you know resiliency, or you know fortitude, and everything that it that it took to to get you where you want to go? Because or or everything that you have, have overcome along this journey, things learned along this journey, things you want to pass on along this journey. So something other than what people can get on the, you know, the fitness side, but really telling that story um, that people can apply across industry or personally or whatever it, it might be. Have you thought of um, doing that at some point? That's a good question. And people have asked me about like, when am I going to write my story? And the thing is, Jack, is like, I don't think that I'm done telling my story and I don't feel as if there's an end yet to what I'm creating and what I'm doing and the story that I'm telling. And even like 
the the true, real, and raw legacy that I'm leaving behind, especially for my boys. And um, I would love to one day write a story and and be able to put this on to paper and make it applicable for others who are traveling along a similar journey that I have embarked on. But I don't believe that I have yet gathered all of my tools yet that I will be using in the future to be able to finish telling my story. And so um, this is my dog. Oh, doggy, what's this happening? Oh, uh, Raven, what's yeah. up? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's yes. so cool. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I just, I don't think that I don't, my I'm not done telling my story yet. And um, I feel like if I were to start telling my story, it wouldn't really have an end yet because I'm not done. I'm yeah. not done writing my book. I gotcha. I gotcha. So I'm going to throw yeah. something out there, though. I think um, sometimes, like, I have my all my books are over here. That's why I'm looking over in this direction. Um, and I have a lot of biographies of authors and, and anything over there. But uh, but I think, like, doing a part one and then a part two, like, knowing that you're not done. Uh, because right now, uh, like, for some of these guys, like, Frederick Forsyth just, uh, just wrote one. Um, and he's been around for the longest time. Amazing author. Um, and he's... He's pretty old now, but uh, I, I was thinking the other day, I'm like, how cool would it have been if he had written something in like 1978 or 1982 mm -hmm. or something like that. And then this is because your perspective is going to change over all those years. So I think about that a lot too, whether you should wait till, you know, kind of you're ready to tell that story or right. if you take, you jump in, in the moment in the middle and because your perspective can change as you look back. And is that more valuable for people? Or, hey, what you, where you are right now, looking back from this point, that's one perspective. And then in 20 years, when you're ready to tell that, the rest, part two, and then even look back on part one with the benefit of those intervening years. Um, anyway, so that's just something to, something to think about, something I've yeah. been thinking that, about that's recently. A, that's, a different, that's a different perspective. And I mean, yeah, I, possibly. We'll see. Stay tuned, everybody. Not like yeah. you don't have enough going on. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So yeah. wild. And I'm looking at the clock and we were talking about time management. So yes. uh, I know okay. you have a thousand things going on and I sincerely appreciate you taking the time yeah. to do this. I got a lot of notes yes. now and, uh, and I'm going to apply some of these things to, uh, to my, my year of getting organized. Um, and I also wanted to thank you because uh, you are an inspiration, you know, uh, to so many people, me included, looking at all the things that you can handle, all the things that, that you've built. And I just, I just love it. Uh, especially I love when people find their passion, they find a mission, they combine those two, and then they whatever they're doing, they do it in a way that's that's an outlier, that's uh, yeah. that's different than everybody else uh, mm -hmm. out there. And and you're doing it differently than everybody else. Thanks. Like you're thinking differently than everyone else, um, and you're crushing it. You're crushing everything you do. Yeah. So I just I love it. So thank well, you thanks. for sharing the story, and uh, yeah. and thank you for all that uh, all yeah. that you do. Yeah, and I have yet to start your fourth book. Ah, the and Devil's Hand. Do you know why? Do you know why? Well, maybe you're a little busy. <laughs> no, 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 no. I like, I absolutely love like all of your novels and everything, but uh, it's because you don't have a fifth one out yet. And I know <laughs> the moment that I start Devil's Hand and there's not a fifth book, I'm going to be just like me going out and like having the next goal to achieve. I'm not going to have another book to read. And so I've been dragging my feet on starting it because I know the moment I started, I'm going to like <laughs> want to finish it really quickly. And then there's not another one. So you need to hurry up and get that next book. <laughs> I'm on it. For uh, me. <laughs> I'm right. I'm right. I'm right on my next thing, which is finishing that, uh, that fifth book and then working on the scripts for this series. So yeah, hopefully, I know. I can't uh, wait. yeah, I cannot wait. That's, That's really going to be exciting. pretty cool. So hopefully next time we talk, we'll be talking about the uh, uh, the series coming sometime yeah. and sometime in the next in the next year. So they're filming oh, it right exciting. now. Crazy. Can't wait.
crazy. Yeah. Awesome. So crazy. Well, thank <laughs> you so right. much for thank doing you, this. And uh, yeah, best of best wishes. Okay. And we'll talk again soon. Thanks. I'll see you soon. Hopefully in Virginia Beach. Let's do it. Over American some Brew. coffee and whiskey. And whiskey. Sounds good. Welcome to the gear highlights section of the Danger Close podcast. All right. Check these out. Bose sunglasses that connect to your phone. So you can listen to music. You can answer phone calls. You can listen to the Danger Close podcast as you're running, working out, and not lose that situational awareness that you lose when you have those earbuds in with music blaring. So my wife just got these the other day. I tried them out yesterday. And uh, yeah, they seem pretty sweet. You can still tell what's going on. You can still have a conversation um, and uh, remain more situationally aware, at least a lot more than you would be with those earbuds in. So pretty cool. Bose sunglasses, check them out. Thank you for tuning in to the Danger Close podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Six Hour. You can follow Ashley Horner at ashley.horner on Instagram. And her website is ashleyhorner.co. You can also follow The American Brew on Instagram and check out all the cool stuff she's doing with two of my favorites, hot coffee and whiskey. Just perfect. So thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time on Danger Close. In case you missed it, on a recent episode of Danger Close, an Ironclad original, Jack Carr sat down with former presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard. Set aside all the labels, mm. you know, oh, well, because I've been getting asked this a lot, like, well, are you left or are you right? Are you progressive or are you conservative? What are box you, do you fit in? Which exactly, box do you check? Completely. Are you an enemy exactly. or right. Right. An How, uh, Like, what filter should I use when I'm looking at you? And, like, I've always been an independent-minded person. Mm. Always. Be sure to check out the full interview wherever you get your podcasts.